Welcome into the Cyclone Scoop, everybody. Alex Halstead here with a little special edition of the Cyclone Scoop. I'm joined by Trent Condon from KXNO, and uh, the season's less than two weeks away, Trent, so I thought I'd bring you on and uh, maybe go through the Big 12 by way of looking at betting lines over-unders. And um, yeah, I think I'm going to have you throw a few uh, Iowa State over-unders my way, and we can maybe talk about Iowa State's uh, upcoming 2019 season that way as well. But thanks for taking some time out of your schedule to to join me and, and go through this, because I know you're kind of the, the big betting guy here around <laughs> Central Iowa. Well, I, I fashion myself as that. I don't know if that's exactly true. I, I think people maybe think the wagering that I do is a little bit more prevalent than I actually do. I'm a, I'm a small player. I, I'm a guy that throws... Five, ten bucks on a game and, well, quite a few games, but I'm not somebody that's throwing hundreds or thousands of dollars around, anything like that. I always call it my entertainment tax. I call it, this is something where, anymore, don't go out to the bars a lot, don't get to party like I once did. So instead of spending that money, that discretionary income at a bar and out on a Friday, Saturday night, I'll throw a couple hundred bucks in my account every few months and play around with it and betting on sports. And now we're able to do it legally here. That's certainly very exciting for me, but this is great, Alex. I've probably, I don't know, over the last four or five years asked you thousands of questions, and now it comes back the other way, so I can just sit back and relax a little bit. You got the pressure on today. Yeah, no, that's why partly I had you on, because I've talked to you almost weekly, it seems like, over the last four or five years, and um, you know we've brought up betting lines and stuff like that, and uh, now that it's legal in Iowa, I thought it'd be an interesting way to kind of preview the season, both with the Big 12, but Iowa State, because you can kind of really preview it by talking about expectations, which kind mm-hmm. of are set by odds makers. And same thing here. I, I've actually never placed a bet before oh, in really? terms of like a sports bet. Yeah. But I pay a lot of attention to the line every week. It comes out on Sunday during college football season. I'm tweeting it out and people probably see that and think like I'm out there betting. But it, to me, it's just interesting to look at kind of the scope of both that and then you can look at ESPN FPI or S&P Plus and you kind of get an idea of at least what the computers or the odds makers think about a game. I think it's Correct. interesting to look at sports through that that lens and now it's obviously uh, legal in Iowa and that's kind of where I wanted to start is um, like you said, people probably hear you on the radio talk about it it's just because you're knowledgeable. It's not necessarily because you're out there throwing hundreds of dollars on every game but uh, what would be your kind of um, before we do get into some of this sure. you're kind of what to know about sports betting in Iowa for someone who maybe wants to get started or who's just kind of getting into it here now that it's legal? Well, and I'll kind of start with a story for you, Alex. I remember going out to Vegas for the first time. I was, I think, 22 in college, and I had been betting online at that point for a few years. I knew at least the general direction, the parlance, kind of what everything meant, what minus 110 meant, those types of things. But I still remember walking up to the window for the first time and being intimidated. And I'm sure there's going to be people like you, and you make that first step up there. Oh, boy, I I don't want to screw this up. Don't worry about that. Seriously, the people here in central Iowa, William Hill, they've been great. I've been out there a couple of times, opening day, and then uh, just yesterday, in fact, I was out there last night setting up my mobile account and getting that finalized. And incredibly helpful. So don't be intimidated by it. Don't be scared. If you don't know exactly the way to say it or the correct terminology to use when you make a bet, They're going to help you out. They will help you if you want to do a parlay, if you want to do a teaser, all these different terms that are out there, or if you just want to be simple. And you know what? I just want to bet an Iowa State is going to go over the win total of eight. You just want to do that and just tell them that. And I want to put 20 bucks on it. They will help you along. It doesn't need to be intimidating. So that's kind of where I start because 
even for somebody, people that have gambled, have never done it in this fashion before, it can be. Um, some general things probably to know, though, is just that, what I mentioned, some of those terms. A straight bet, first game, you and I, there'll be a line out there. I saw offshore, 18.5 is the number. Iowa State's favored by 18.5. So for in order for them you to win the bet if you bet the Cyclones, they have to win by 19 or more. Very simple. But for some people, that, that's just, again, the step of the process. And then you get into parlays and teasers. You can find a lot of different ways to lose money. Really, in the end, that's what this is going to be. This is entertainment. This is not a way to be profitable. I've done this for a number of years. I never go into it expecting to make money. It's just a different way to have fun, a different way to, to watch the game, a different scope. And you know what? You put something together and you hit, and you do do a five-team teaser, and you know what? I'm taking all these teams this week, and they all cover that week. And you can turn that 10 bucks into a little bit more, and it's fun. You walk away, but that's all it is. So those are just kind of a couple of outlines that I at least look at. Yeah, I think that's kind of the way I view it. I don't see myself like going and placing a ton of bets, but I think it's to me it's more like you go, you're at Buffalo Wild Wings, you're you're mm-hmm. sign up for the mobile app, and it's like a Wednesday night MAC game, yeah. and you want to actually care about it. You're like, okay, I'm going to put five dollars on this, yeah. and all of a sudden you have a rooting interest. Yep. That's it to me. And I know there's people who maybe view it differently, but mm-hmm. I think it's you probably get into the dangerous part if you're going into it trying to make money. Uh, obviously, you want to come out ahead, but if you're doing it to like be that that's your money maker then that's probably when people maybe get into the danger zone well and and also remember when you're laying a bet down if it is even odds on both sides it's minus 110 so what that means is you bet 110 dollars to win 100 or in my world you bet 11 dollars to win 10 it's called the vig that is what the casino that's how they make money and because of that vig even if you hit a little over 50 percent you're going to lose money in the long run you have to hit 52.4% of your bets just to break even. That's just to break even because of the big that is already in there, the casinos hold. Coupled with hitting 52.4%. Alex, that sounds easy, right? I know football. I can hit 52.4%. Over the course of the season, it is not easy. If you hear people out there, and you're gonna, this is going to become more prevalent too, because you're going to hear these guys out there, call 9-100, bets all, you know, and they're, they're going to go on and on and tell you that they're hitting at 72%, those people, by and large, are liars. That's it. Now, one of the guys on the beat with you, Chris Williams, he hit 72% last year. He's not going to hit 72% this year. <laughs> I will tell you that right now. I'm going to be fading him all season long. I've done this for two decades. It's difficult. Think 52.4%. That's just your break-even point and to make money at it going forward. So a couple of outlines there, a couple of kind of ways to look at it, but... It's fun. Make it fun. Don't put your mortgage on it. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. And people, I was looking back at some betting lines just from recent years um, for Iowa State, just trying to get an idea of some different things with, with their history mm-hmm. um, for no really real reason and purpose other than I just kind of got bored the other yeah. day. And uh, back in 2014, and this kind of told me like how far they've come. Back in 2014, in eight of 12 games, they were double-digit underdogs wow. in 2014. And some of those they didn't even cover. Um, and then... You know, in Campbell's first three years, I think they've been a double-digit underdog ten times, but three mm-hmm. that's in three years compared to the eight in just 2014. <laughs> and six of those under Campbell were in uh, 2016. The last two years, I would say it's only been a double-digit underdog um, four times. And so you just even through looking at betting lines and stuff, yeah. I think you can get an idea of the growth of a program just through the eyes of, you know, I guess Las Vegas at yeah. the time and, and odds makers because that to me was really stark just – you know how how close some of these lines are for Iowa State now. You mentioned 
they're looking like maybe an 18, 18 and a half point favorite against Northern Iowa. Um, that would be, I think, one of their biggest FCS lines. Yeah. And so I think even with betting, I think it's, even if you're not betting, I think sometimes it's interesting to look at just because it's kind of gives you a little bit of a lens into, into how a team's doing. Well, you look at Prairie Meadows too, and they do have the line already out for the Iowa State game, and Iowa State's favored by four. How often has Iowa State been favored by four? I think you have to go back to the 2000 game, the last time that they were even favored in this game. Mm-hmm. And now not only are they favored, they're favored by more than a field goal. One of the key numbers in football, threes and sevens are the important numbers, and they're favored by more than that. So that's substantial. That That is impressive that they are favored in this game and favored by that. It's not basically a coin flip field goal game, even more than that. And, and there's a couple of places right now that have Iowa State favored by four and a half in the game. So it just shows you the development of this program and what they are and, and what they can be in the Big 12 this year. I was going to actually bring that up at the end, but let's hit it now before we do get into the Big 12 and some yep. Iowa State over-unders. The, with that line of four, um, because that's going to be a one that I think a lot of people want oh, yeah. to go bet, especially in Iowa. I think the main bets they're probably getting right now are Iowa and Iowa State over-under futures mm-hmm. in terms of win totals and then maybe that Cyhawk game that's already out there. Um, I think Jack Trice is a three-point stadium, or is it? Well, and and that's interesting. So the whole three-point misnomer that's out there. That's yeah, I'm a more, rookie here. Uh, yes, and that's more of an NFL thing, and that's the general thinking for most football fans. Well, home field advantage is worth the field goal, and you go from there. That's not the case. NFL, it basically is. It's between three and four. I know Seattle's been a four-and-a-half-point stadium in, in some night games in the past. But in college football, the home field advantage is actually bigger. Jack Trice is anywhere, depending on the person putting together their power numbers, between a five-and-a-half and a, a six-point stadium. Kinnick Stadium's in the same realm. Most college football stadiums at minimum are four, four-and-a-half in that range, and then the better ones and the louder ones can go up for there. So the general thinking is actually when you look at that, Iowa on a neutral field would be favored against Iowa State, but a lot of people think of just that field goal like you do, Alex, and because of that think that Iowa State would be favored. Not the case, and that's something when you're you're looking at these lines and you're looking at home field advantage, it is much more substantial in college football than it is in the pros. Well, let's uh, dive into the Big 12 here, and I figured this would be kind of a way. We'll go through the over-unders. Um, I think we're going to use Caesars Palace here. Mm-hmm. Um, they're probably going to be similar at William Hill if people are doing yeah. that in Iowa, but I figured this would be a way to kind of go through the Big 12 and also kind of look ahead to the Big 12 while we um, still kind of use, use the over-unders to do that. Um, starting with, um, let's start with kind of the top two, Oklahoma and Texas. Oklahoma over under 10 wins, Texas over under 9 wins. Those are, you know, 1-2 in the Big 12. Those are also projected, you know, teams to finish 1-2 and two in the Big 12. Um, I guess what are your thoughts on, on those two and, uh, you know, those two being, I guess, the favorites of yes. the conference. You know, they, they it feels like kind of their their own tier. At least that's the national perception, the regional perception right now with those two teams. I am a much bigger believer in Oklahoma this year than I am in Texas. That nine number of the two, I, I think those numbers are about right. I think that not only is Texas not going to quite be the team that can contend for a playoff berth in college football playoff, I, I see them more still in the 8-4 and four realm. I, I still have some questions about what they're going to be able to do and just keeping Ellinger upright for the whole season. I mean, the physical style that he plays, to expect that guy to be healthy for 12, 13, or up to 15 games, and in the dreams, at least, of some Longhorn fans, I don't see that being realistic. I know we talked back in the spring, Alex, and I said at the time, give me Iowa State. Texas coming up in November for the first time seemingly forever 
coming up to Jack Trice in November. I love that spot for Iowa State. So of those two, I'm more down on Texas than Oklahoma. Oklahoma, to me, is its own tier. And I think that next year for me personally is Iowa State, Texas, and maybe another team we're going to get to here in just a little bit. Yeah, I agree, too. I think I'd probably take the over on the 10 for Oklahoma just because, I mean, I guess I could see them dropping a, a game here or there, but, and, and then that, that's what gets it to that pickiness right. of the 10. But. At 10, when the number is 10, they have to be 9 or 3 or worse for you to lose that bet. I, it's incredibly difficult for me to envision a scenario where Oklahoma's 9, or, nine and 3 or worse. Yeah. And that, so even, even if they're 10 and 2, you get your money back on your bet. That's how I look at it. Whereas Texas, I have a little bit. I'm kind of on the same thing as you. I could see an eight and four. Mm-hmm. I could see them being a good team, but I've talked to people down there, and that's kind of the big question. Is it's, it's similar to Iowa State, whereas the drop off from one to two is obviously significant for any program, but mm-hmm. I think especially from Purdy to Real Mitchell. But you look at Texas Ellinger to what they have next. I think they feel is a big difference. They lose a lot on defense, yeah. um, and so I think a couple things here or there, and they could be that eight and four team. At the same time, if Ellinger is healthy all year. They they could win nine ten games and be right there in sure. the race and so I, they're a tough one for me to pick and I think they've got a couple of their tough games early with an Oklahoma in the Red River Red River rivalry um, and that sort of thing so I think LSU early that one too. so there's going to be a couple yeah. games early that's going to set the yeah. tone for you know that lot, that uh, over under we're going to skip Iowa State which is the third highest yep. in the Big Twelve because we'll come to that at the end this is the next tier that you just mentioned though and it's interesting because I think of the the Big Twelve in similar tiers to what these uh, lines are saying because uh, we've talked all along that the top tiers maybe Oklahoma and Texas you could say Oklahoma is kind of on their own and then Iowa State's right there but then that next tier that I think is going to compete to be third or in that kind of company is TCU Baylor and Oklahoma State uh, Caesars Palace has TCU and Baylor at seven and a half over under wins and Oklahoma State at seven and um, they're kind of right there in the middle of the yeah. pack in the Big 12 I think the Oklahoma State one seems a little low because I think their non-conference is so easy that they sure. should probably start 3-0. I think their toughest game is Oregon State. Um, but those are the three teams that I think are going to fight with Iowa State to be right there. Yeah, that's the way that I look at that tier, too. And the team that I think I like the most out of that group is Oklahoma State, the team that actually kind of has that lowest number. I'm just a believer in Gundy. I think he deserves the benefit of the doubt, and I think you can make that same argument with Gary Patterson. But what they've gone through this summer Six guys vying for the quarterback position. Then it was cut to five after one of the transfers wasn't eligible. It looks like it's going to be the kid from Council Bluffs, Max Duggan, that's going to get the opening start there. But I don't think this is over yet. I like how Patterson has evolved. But I still have some question marks on that defense. He's done a great job, obviously, year after year. I'm just really struggling wrapping my mind around TCU. Oklahoma State, Gundy, he finds a way to score if they can make any kind of improvements defensively, and they were atrocious a year ago, I think they're going to be right there, and they're going to be a team that all of a sudden you look up and we're going to November, and boy, Oklahoma State, they're 7-2. and two. Here we go. I mean, I, it wouldn't be a shocker for me to see that happening, and, and if they run the table or, or go 3-1 and one down the stretch and they're playing in the championship game. So Oklahoma State's a team I like the most out of that tier. Yeah, I agree, because I think if they figure out the quarterback situation or their defense is slightly improved – uh, it's same for both Mike Gundy and Gary Patterson. They've not really very often had back-to-back down years, yes, and I think yep. both of those teams are going to rebound. But do they rebound to above that total? I could see Oklahoma State being a eight and four, nine and three type team. Mm-hmm. Nine and three is maybe pushing it, but I know that non-conference sets them up well to then be three and zero, oh, and then yep. you only got to go six and three for the for that you know nine and three record. So that seven to me seems a little low. 
Yeah. You know, I think seven and a half would start to make it a little bit more difficult. I agree. I was um, a little bit surprised to see this. And earlier this summer, there was one book that had it at six and a half, and I said that you that's be joking easy. on it. Yeah. yeah. Now, some like this you is said. gambling. <laughs> there is no no such thing. There are no sure bets here. But I really do like that one. Baylor, another team. Love Charlie Brewer. Love what Matt Rule has done, and really transforming them. Not only bringing them out of the slog that was, you know, the Art Briles era, but also doing it in a different way. You know, the physicality that they play with, it's that game in late September with Baylor-Iowa State, that's a huge matchup and really could determine that might be the difference for each of these teams going over or under their win total is that game in September. I think that's going to be a great game, though. Still 7.5. If I had to make a bet, I'd probably go under. I'd probably go under. I think they're a 7-5 and five team, but that's one. Out of this group, I think I'm struggling a lot with Baylor of seeing them make that ascension to being a team in that top tier. The next one is, it feels like a tier of its own with Texas Tech's over under six mm-hmm. wins. I think um, Matt Wells has set up the best of any of the four new coaches. You look back to last year and Texas Tech started five and two before losing their last five games. And I think when you look at that, he returns Alan Bowman at quarterback. He's set up well to go to mm-hmm. a bowl game. That's exactly where that line is set is, or, or the over under set is six. And so that's a difficult one for me. I do think they Right now, I'd probably say they're one of the Big 12's bowl teams. And then you got Kansas State and West Virginia at five and a half. And I don't know if either of those have changed or anything because the West Virginia one seems a little high. That might have been back yeah. in the summer a little bit, and they've had a lot of attrition and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. But Texas Tech, six. Kansas State and West Virginia, five and a half. And then Kansas is at three, and that's kind of all four new coaches yeah. all at the bottom of the league. So Kansas, I mean, do you really want to bet on Kansas winning more than three games? I mean, it, it just it just seems silly to do that one. And the, the hiring of Les Miles, it still doesn't make a lick of sense to me. We'll see how that one plays out. I really do like Chris Kleiman, the hire at Kansas State long term. But in the interim, there could be some dicey moments, I, I think, for them. And we'll see if they can get to six wins this season. I would say probably not. Yeah, that West Virginia number, though, this is a team that last season was ranked in the top ten. This is a team that was doing some incredible things. And then, well, we know what happened against Iowa State, and the wheels fell off. And, and then uh, Will Greer doesn't even play in the bowl game. Now a new coaching staff there. I think it's going to be a sluggish start there. I'd certainly be on the under. Of that grouping, I think I feel the most confident on that one. And the Texas Tech one is intriguing to me. You know, we, we've talked, you and I, on the radio side a time or two about you know, this group of four coaches, and, and very interesting to see what Matt Wells has there at Texas Tech. He's got the quarterback, Bowman, another great quarterback in the Big 12, no surprise there, and uh, what kind of big numbers. And if you can bring a little bit of defense with him to Lubbock, something we haven't seen in West Texas in a while. Yeah, that Kansas one's tough. I've talked to someone that thinks their ceiling is four wins and their floor is zero. I think they're going <laughs> to win a non-conference game. They do, I think, I open, so. though, with Indiana State, who's a top 15 FCS team. Yeah. And so – that's not a, a gimme. I think last year they struggled with Nichols mm-hmm. uh, stayed, and plus you're bringing in a new coaching staff and that sort of thing. So that's an interesting one, but they didn't put it at three and a half, so it's harder. It makes yeah. it difficult when they put it at that that kind of no leeway uh, in terms of one way or another. And that kind of brings it to the Iowa State. Iowa State's over-under is eight mm-hmm. wins. That's third in the Big 12 behind Oklahoma at 10 and Texas at nine. Uh, I kind of struggle with this one. I haven't gone through. I'm going to here in the next few days before the game week arrives, go through and try to make my predictions for each game. Yeah. 
right now, just without thinking about it, I'm thinking like eight and four. Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked by nine and three, but I think they're going to play a lot of close one score type games. And it's like, how many of those one score games do you win? Yeah. And that's kind of always the thing for Iowa State. The difference between eight and nine for me might be if they beat Iowa. Yes. And so that's a difficult, difficult one for me because I could see eight and four, then you're at a push. But it wouldn't shock me if they go nine and three if everything kind of falls their way. So if you want to make a bet on this and, and you want to do it not just to bet on your favorite team and it's Cyclone fans listening right now, but you want to maybe take, I don't know, a more analytical view of it. All right, take eight and four off off the table and just think of it one of two ways. Is it more likely that this team is nine and three, or is it more likely that they're seven and five? And that will have your answer. Now if they hit eight and four, you get your money back. And I think that's what they're going to be. And that for me, because I wager on so many things, I don't want to tie up my money on something I think is just going to be a push where the casino is just holding on to you know, my bank account until we get to the end of the season. You can actually cash in that ticket and get back your money or, or win is what you're hopefully there. So that's how I would look at it for you. What's more likely, 9-3 and three or 7-5? and five? And I just keep coming back to this. And it's a historical trend that maybe isn't fair. I'm nearing 40. I've seen them win nine football games once in my lifetime. So what's more likely? Under eight and four. That's that's more likely. That's what I put my mind around. You're exactly right. It's going to come down to those close games. It's going to come down to what happens against Iowa and Baylor and Oklahoma State. Those kind of games. Those are going to be the ones that are going to be the difference if you believe that they're going to make the play on special teams, that you believe in the kicking game, that the Sally, the leg, is actually stronger this year. Then, yeah, go fire at the over. For me, though, that's still my biggest hang-up, and that's why if I had to make a bet, again, this is a stay away from me, but if I had to, I would bet the under. Yeah, and that's where I'm kind of at right now is that 8-4, and four, and so why bet a push? Yeah. And so it's kind of like that's kind of where that it's tough. If they would have put the number at 7.5, yeah. probably take, maybe, I'd probably the, take over. the over. Yeah. And if yeah. they put it at 8.5, probably take the under because I'm just kind of feeling 8-4, and four, and I could see it going towards the – the dream season that fans are talking about. Yep. If Brock Purdy stays healthy, if they figure out a couple questions and, it's and, not a stretch. and that sort of thing. but it's, it's not a stretch for it all to come together. But there's just that, that lingering doubt. You watch Cyclone football for long enough. I mean, Alex, you've seen it now for a number of years and just the preseason hype that is there because they have all the pieces and they are special defensively and they have the quarterback and they have skill positions and maybe they'll actually throw to tight ends. All those things are there. But it has to come together. Yeah. And I'll I just talk, leave my money alone for this. And I talked to Eric Heft on the last episode of, of this podcast, and he said that he thinks, you know, they've probably been about 500 in those one-score games. If they can be slightly above 500, that's probably how they reach those expectations. But they're still going to play a lot of close one-score games. All so. right. Before we get out of here, I want to throw a couple of props at you. Now, this is one thing in the state of Iowa. We will not be able to wager on these legally, individual player props for in-state kids. So this is something that will be off the table. You can bet on to win the Heisman Trophy. You can bet on those types of things. But game-by-game or season-long props, something you can't bet on. Uh, And I think that will go away in 2021 is when you'll be able to do that. But here it is. I got quick ones for you. First, over-under touchdown passes for Brock Purdy this year. I put the number at 25.5. Over-under touchdowns during the regular season, during the 12-game regular season for Brock Purdy. I'm going to go under. I think it's going to be close to that. But I, I'm a good odds maker, of course. Yeah, it's going to be close. I think it's going to be close, but I think, it, which would also like put him up there in Iowa State history. I don't have yeah. the number off the top of my head, but it would be close to a single-season record. I just, I'm just i going to go under because I think 
he's going to rush for some touchdowns mm-hmm. too. I think he's still going to show that dual threat ability. And then also I think it's, it remains to be seen, but we'll see how those running backs, you know, factor into that as well. So I'll go under, but that's a good line, I think, because I think it's going to be probably somewhere between 20 and 24 or so. All right, this is a five-player prop here, and they're all the same odds. Who has the most rushing yards this season for Iowa State? Four, five running backs there. If you want to go Purdy, you can. Probably hope that's not going to be the case, that he's going to lead the team in rushing. But who is it? What player leads the team in rushing this year? Yeah, Purdy was second leading rusher last year, but obviously that's behind a 1,200 guy guy in David Montgomery. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the... Maybe the crazy one right now, and I don't know if it's going to pan out, but I'm going to go Brees Hall. Yeah. Um, I think Sheldon Crone is going to maybe be the guy early, mm-hmm. but it, this feels a lot to me like 2016 where Mike Warren was the guy early, and by midseason, David Montgomery had taken over. And I think Brees Hall is trending in that direction. If he can become the blocker and become the every down back, he's going to be the guy. But, you know, one thing with Campbell, if you look at 2013, 2014, and 2015 at Toledo, uh, each of those three years he had two – running backs with 700-plus yards, five of those six totals were actually above 866. Wow. And so I think it's going to be a year where you maybe don't have a 1,000-yard rusher, but you have a couple guys that are 700-plus that make it difficult to predict. Uh, but I think Brees Hall could be the breakout guy. And 24-7 Sports just put him on the true freshman preseason All-American list. Um, so if he lives up to that, I think he's probably their leading rusher. A lot of buzz about Brees Hall. Okay, let's go to another position group that's getting a lot of buzz. The tight end position. We haven't seen a whole lot of catches out of the tight end position during the three-year run so far for Matt Campbell. Over, uh, no, here's the number. Total catches. Should we do total catches or should we just go one guy? First of all, who do you think is going to have the most catches out of the tight end group? I'd probably go Charlie Kohler. It, I just think. The it, Charlie Kohler love is unreal. And what he did in a short span, I think he had 11 catches and really played most of the last, not until really TCU on. Mm-hmm. So I just think he's shown the flashes and. Chase Allen did early, but yeah. I think if Kohler continues what he did in those last seven or so games, I think he's kind of the leading guy, but I do think it's going to be close. Well, let's let's put both those guys in there. Do either of those guys catch more than 28.5 passes this season? 29 it, or more is a winner. Individually? Yes. I'd probably go under. Under. What if I put the number at 25.5? Then I think, yeah, I'd probably take one of them over because okay. I think that's my big question is what would you set, and I'm kind of making throw yeah. another line out there, but what would you set the over-under for total tight end catches, including Dylan Sainer or throwing right. out of the backfield? Uh, 50, probably upper 50s, something like and that. See, that's the toughest one for me because last year they had 25 catches on 31 targets. Mm-hmm. And say those targets are probably going to at least double this year. Sure. Maybe more than that. And so that's the one that I, I start to wonder about is total catches because you've seen the uptick each year. Last year, 25, but that's mm-hmm. a, only a few games from Chase Allen. That's really only Charlie Kohler from TCU on. Dylan Sainer is going to be more involved probably than Sam Seenbuckner, who had five catches out of the backfield last year. I, yeah, I think it's going to be 40-plus catches. Then you start getting into the 50s, and it starts to become more difficult to project. But that's really the biggest over-under I'm interested in to see. Final one for you. Defensively, we jump to that side of the football. Over under sacks. I was thinking, do I want to go Wazarike over on one side? Or are we going to go Jaquan Bailey? Let's go Jaquan Bailey. I'll put the number at seven and a half. Over under seven and a half sacks this year for Jaquan Bailey. 
I'd probably go over. I think if he stays healthy, that's a number that I think he's hit the last couple years. Mm-hmm. He's already tied the school record at 18 and a half career sacks with Sean Moorhead. If he gets a half sack against Northern Iowa, yeah. he breaks that record. He could obliterate that record, I think, this year. Um, and I think, you know, having a guy like Ray Lehman in the middle, take, he takes up the double teams yes. for him a little bit. And Sometimes three guys. Yeah, and it's kind of the thing with Wazrika even a little bit. Where I think sometimes he doesn't maybe get the sack totals, but he's doing his job still in the yeah. run game and that sort of thing. So I'd probably take the over for Jaquan. Out of all of them, that's probably the easiest one for me mm-hmm. just because I think – you know, he's shown the ability, and this should be his theoretically his best season. It sounds like he's made strides, so I think I'd probably take the over. But that Brock Purdy one for me was really tough, and uh, the tight ends, I'm really, I think that's maybe the most intriguing thing for me to see in the first few weeks of the year. How different they're going to look and how much they're going to do on that one. Fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, th- soon we'll be able to actually bet on these things, too. Yeah, yeah, that will make it a lot more interesting. <laughs> like you said, that's not too far off, but for right. now, people can can do the over-unders and mm-hmm. the betting lines uh, here starting soon. There should be – I think they'll probably put a Northern Iowa one out. And like you probably said, week the, of. Yeah, yeah, and the Iowa one, they can go bet on the side hockey game. Iowa State is currently at William Hill in Iowa, a four-point favorite. So, Trent, thanks for taking some time. I you know bet. you're um, really busy, and uh, I'm looking forward to talking with you week by week here on KXNO. But uh, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, always fun and uh, good to be on this side of the mic for once and actually – answering the questions from you. Always fun. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Cyclone Scoop. Thanks again for joining me. I'll have another preseason preview before the season begins uh, about a week from now with game week. So uh, we'll break down Iowa State's schedule, look ahead to what we learned in fall camp on the next edition of the Cyclone Scoop. But uh, thanks again to Trent, and uh, I'll talk to you guys next time.